uncanny and showed the world something that he can play and that maybe like us back in 2008, the Packers could turn the team over to him in 2023. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings, produced by Jack Connell, my musical producer. That music you hear under us is my son, Sam Brandt. Just spent a great week with him. A lot of family, a lot of food, a lot of football, a lot of football, F-U-T-B-O-L. Hope you guys are enjoying the weekend. Let's get back into it with a Brandt's Rants edition of the podcast. Got a few things I want to talk about. Of course, I'm going to hit on the Packers and what happened last night against the Eagles and the new regime, potentially the symmetry from when I was there 15 years ago. Such such an interesting time with the Packers. We'll talk about some other football issues that are really right in the news right now. And let's get to it. You guys ready? Here we go. All right. Like I said, let's start with the Packers. The symmetry is unreal. It's uncanny uncanny the symmetry is what i'm talking about it's like deja vu all over again so that's where we are deja vu all over again it was i'll never forget the night of of, i'm sorry the night of the 2005 draft we're sitting in the draft room we make a decision to take aaron Rodgers, the 24th pick we had a quarterback headed to the fall of fame in brett Favre, who was still playing well all you know what broke loose when we took Aaron, the fans hated it, the media hated it. We had Lambeau Field draft party, thousand people, the booze rang out from below us. And as I said, Brett hated it. He called the coach, his agent called me, what the F's going on? What are we doing here? Anyway, that was the start of a three-year apprenticeship for Aaron Rodgers. Now, from that 2005 late April day, 15 years forward, almost to the day, the Packers did it again. Obviously, I wasn't there, but they drafted a first-round quarterback with a Hall of Fame quarterback still playing at a high level on the roster. Aaron Rodgers on the roster. They draft Jordan Love. Symmetry. Now we go to the current symmetry. Back. Let's look back. 2007. Aaron Rodgers in the third year of an apprenticeship behind Brett Favre. Late in the season, I remember we played a Thursday Thanksgiving game against Detroit. A week later, we had a Thursday away game against Dallas. They're doing that now with some of the teams that play on Thanksgiving. They schedule them the next Thursday. We were one of those teams. We played at Dallas. We happened to be 10-1. and They happened to be 10-1. and Brett got hurt. Aaron came in. His first real stint in a game pressure situation was in late November against a team from the NFC East at 10 and one playing in a role that had some pressure on it. And we saw what he could do and we liked it. Fast forward 15 years. That, by the way, that date was November 29th, 2007. On November 27th, 2022, Almost exactly 15 years later, Jordan Love comes in late in the game, late in the season, 
late November in a pressure situation in the third year of his apprenticeship against an NFC opponent, NFC East opponent at nine and one. Uncanny, uncanny, and showed the world something that he can play and that maybe like us back in 2008, the Packers could turn the team over to him in 2023. Listen, there's going to be a lot of noise about what happens with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to retire. They're going to trade him. He's going to stay on. I know there's this $59 million guarantee next year. There's all these things that could happen. Would he retire? Would he walk away from that? This is not the time for that. I think there's going to be a lot of time for that, and the speculation is going to run wild until we hear from Aaron. He wants to keep playing even with this oblique injury. I think they'll let him play if there's nothing structural. And we'll see what happens. They play the Bears. They have a bye week. We'll see where it goes. But my point here is having been part of the first iteration of this, the deja vu, the parallel, the symmetry is uncanny that Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, 15 years apart in two things, 15 years apart, the draft of a first-round receiver with a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster, and the latter part of a three-year apprenticeship coming into a game in a pressure situation against the top dog in the conference, a team from the NFC East. One was 10 and one, one was nine and one, 15 years almost to the day. My prediction is that we'll probably see more of Jordan Love this season, if not this week. And I think the Packers will have a good feeling about him. Then it comes down to what is the situation. But I'll say this, and I said it at the time of the contract for Aaron Rodgers. I have never thought for a minute that either the Packers were making a three-year commitment to Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers was making a three-year commitment to them. Come on. You have followed the Aaron Rodgers situation with the Packers the past two years. No one can believe that reported three-year $150 million contract, that reported three-year commitment was real. What's real right now is he's playing for $42 million in 2022. We'll get to next year and the option, which again, it can be an option. It can be a guaranteed salary. But the point is, come on, let's be real here. There was never a three-year commitment either way from the Packers to the Rodgers or from Rodgers to the Packers. He's playing for a $42 million deal. We'll see what happens. Yes, there'll be dead money. Yes, we're in an age where teams take on de- more dead money in an effort to win it, in an effort to make it happen, as the Rams did. But we'll see. For now, I just wanted to point out those symmetries, which are strong. The parallels are real, my friend. Okay. I want to talk about another issue that happened yesterday. The Washington Commanders continue to fail forward and fail in everything they do except on the field. They're playing well. They have some juice with Taylor Heineke. They look like a potential playoff team on the field, off the field. They unveil a statue of Sean Taylor, the great safety that died on the anniversary of his death. And it's a mannequin with different like Reebok and Nike wear that has like no hands, no feet. Like, like, What is going on? And again, there's all kinds of stuff from the team that, yeah, well, we're just, we're making it portable to go to the new stadium. New stadium. They're like 10 years away from a new stadium. They don't have a 
shovel in the ground. They don't have public funding. They have no stadium subsidy. They don't know who's going to own the team. They don't know where the team could potentially have a new stadium. And then this, <laughs> the Sean Taylor, I think for the second year in a row, this memorial did not go well. It looks like they're a team that can't get out of it its own way. I feel for the PR department. I feel for my friend, not friend, but as someone who's been on the podcast, the president of the team, Jason Wright, brought in from consulting to do this. This is a uh, continued fail by this team's front office. It just seems like they can't get out of their own way. Now, again, probably a good week for the Washington Commanders because there were no lawsuits. As far as I know, there wasn't a Washington, D.C. attorney general suing them about financial improprieties or about sexual improprieties by their owner. (laughs) There wasn't any lawsuits from other fans there wasn't any any investigations launched. We wait on all these other investigations and relatively taking the heat off. I don't know if Dan Snyder could pay Ron Rivera more money. I mean, this guy, whatever they're paying him is worth it. He's stabilized the situation on the field because off the field's a mess. Can you imagine the heat on Dan Snyder if this team was a mess on the field as well? And again, this is my team I grew up with. I just think every time you see a tweet, a post, a picture, a story about the Washington Commanders that's not involved with the games, you're like, oh, my God, what happened now? What do you do now? And, of course, Mr. Snyder. (laughs) Okay. The next thing I want to say is I don't get it on Odell Beckham, right? I just don't get it. I don't get the hype. I don't get the news. I don't get the hyperbole about Odell Beckham. Let's review. Okay, Odell Beckham comes in as a first-round pick, a dynamic, scintillating player for the New York Giants, and, of course, the catch. Yeah, that's all true. That's all true. To the point where the Giants signed him to a five-year deal worth $90 million that had a $20 million bonus. The Giants were all in until they weren't five months later. Five months after giving him a $20 million bonus, they traded him. Now, you understand what happens when you give a $20 million bonus that's prorated over five years. There's $16 million of it left to account for the cap. That accelerates when you trade the player. So they trade Beckham after giving him a $20 million bonus. Only $4 million was eaten up on the proration of that year. So they accelerate $16 million on their cap, which is probably today like accelerating $30 million on your cap to get rid of Beckham. They would rather have $16 million of dead money and no Beckham than Beckham. Okay? Then he goes to the Browns. Now, the second year they added torn ACL, and all of a sudden, that's not working. Whether it's him, whether it's not getting along with the quarterback, whether it's not getting along with the organization, they got to get out. And they don't trade them. They cut them. Now, you tell me. There was no one offering a seventh-round pick? Come on. They cut them. And he agreed not to take termination pay. And he's gone. Gone. He's gone from the Browns. So we have one team that took on a $16 million cap hit. At least they got a first-round pick, the Giants. We have another team, the Browns, that got rid of them and got nothing. They decided they're better off without Odell Beckham than with them, period, with no compensation. 
Then he signed with the Rams last year. Let him. He was part of the Super Bowl run. Good on that. Had another ACL. Second one, I believe the same knee. And now we're in Odell sweepstakes. Odell, where will he sign? Part two, the sequel from last year. And there's all this hype and the Cowboys and the Giants and the Bills and whoever. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, this to me is one of those situations that's just more name than game. It just seems like this is more name than game. Like Odell Beckham is a big name. He's well-known everywhere he goes. There's some sizzle. There's some sex appeal. I mean, he had an incident this weekend where he's walked off a plane in Miami because he's unconscious or non-responsive. I guess drunk. I don't know what it was. But come on. Now, the question, the proof of the pudding will be in the contract. There are reports that he wants $20 million a year on a prorated deal, which is basically more than a million a week. I'm like, hello? Someone's going to give him more than a million a week? Someone's going to give him for five weeks $8 million or something like that? Come on. Now, you never know. Jerry Jones doesn't like losing. He has a lot of gusto, a lot of bravado. Maybe he'll do it for the shiny object. But I just don't get the hype. I get the hype. His name is, has some value. It's out there. But the what are we buying here? We're buying something the Giants didn't want, $16 million dead cap. The Browns didn't want. And you know what? The Rams didn't want. Because it would seem like he would stay on the Rams. Now, I, don't, I know the Rams stink now, but earlier on, it sounded like the Rams, they didn't want in this year when the Rams were still a viable franchise this year. So maybe it is Cowboys, Giants, Bills, Chiefs. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's less. Who knows what to believe? And maybe he'll sign for a big number, but I just don't see it. I don't get it on Odell. I don't get it at all. Okay. That's my rant on Odell. Let's talk about Harry's razors because that's something I really do like. I get it more than I get the hype on Harry's razors. I I use them every time. I just used them a little while ago smooth every time. I never get a cut, never get a cut. Uh, the blades, the shave gel, everything smells good. It, it, it feels good coming across the face. It's the perfect gift for the holiday season because Harry's, every guy needs Harry's, every guy needs to shave and it just comes right to you when you need it. Uh, you can get the starter set with this gift. It's a five blade razor. It's got a weighted handle. You get the foaming shave gel and you get a travel cover. That's a $13 value for only $3. Just use my link, harris.com slash BOS. You can schedule blades to be delivered whenever you need them. Each refill is as low as $2. It's got these holiday gift boxes now with premium shaving and grooming products in these gift boxes. Nice enough to go right under the tree. You don't even need to wrap it. This is something you got to do. Check out Harry's Razors. Check off all the guys on your list. Give them a Harry starter set. First-time buyers get this $13 value for just $3. Go to my, my site, my link, harrys.com slash SPL. Check out the gift boxes because they go fast. Limited time, limited stock. Again, go to my link, harrys.com slash BOS. Okay, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time to talk about something we talked about all summer, and I know some of you are tired to hear me talk about it, but he's back. He's back. Deshaun Watson's back this weekend in, of all places, Houston, the team, only team for which he's played in the NFL because he hasn't played yet for the Cleveland Browns. I was of the opinion that maybe he wouldn't play at all this year, that the NFL would not let him on the field, and probably if that was their druthers, they would have done so, but they chose not to continue the appeal. And as we all know, the settlement came for 11 games, of which is now complete. Deshaun Watson is back, and not to go over the gory details, but he has been accused and settled 24 lawsuits of alleged transgressions, sexual misconduct with massage therapists. He has been rewarded with the biggest contract in the NFL, in NFL history, by far the best, the most secure contract ever get to that in a second. But he's back. And I never thought he'd be back because I just thought maybe the original arbitration, the one that said only six games, would see my point. And she did, Judge Robinson, but she termed this a nonviolent. Compared to the Ezekiel Elliott and Ben Roethlisberger and Kareem Hunt and others who were suspended, pick a number, four, six, eight games for transgressions with one, not 24, one woman, no criminal charges. So I assume this would be a full season, but here we are. First week of December, he'll show up. He'll be back on the field playing against his old team. And again, gives a little bit of juice to a terrible game against the worst team in the league, the Houston Texans. So he's back. The interesting part of this is as he's back, we have a collusion lawsuit. Lawsuits being brought by the NFL Players Association, the lawsuit alleges that the owners slash team slash league have decided, have colluded to not give full guarantees as with the Watson contract. This is interesting to me because as I've talked about for months, the question would be whether the fully guaranteed, fully secured, five-year, fully guaranteed $230 million contract to Watson would become A, a precedent, which contracts usually are 99% of the time, or B, an outlier. The evidence so far, he's an outlier. As we've had three extensions for top-level quarterbacks, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, rather that we can debate the, the how quote-unquote good these players are, but I think the thing to know is they all got the traditional old structure a year or two guaranteed, then off to shed all the risk on the player the teams can get out. And, you know, I know fans are conditioned this way, too. They're like, when can we get out? Well, with these deals, you can get out after two years. They didn't go the way of Watson. Lamar Jackson's pushing for the way of Watson. He's been shut down. He's playing on a franchise tag. We'll see where it goes. Again, as I've said, he's the only one without an agent, yet he's pushing harder, it seems, than those players with agents to get Watson to be a precedent. It sure seems like there's something going on, as I had Russell Wilson's agent on when he talked about it, this shouting of outlier, the shouting of aberration. 
by all the owners. We've heard it from Steve Bashotti how frustrated he was with the Watson deal way back in March. Here's my point. Is it collusion? Well, that depends on evidence, texts, emails, other communications between teams, or probably more appropriately between the league and a team or teams about the Watson contract. Will they find that? Maybe, probably not. So this is like the Kaepernick lawsuit was for collusion. Did teams collude not to sign Colin Kaepernick? Did I think the Colin Kaepernick case was collusive? No. Did I think it was punitive? Yes. I think they were punishing Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. Sorry, mixing my players. I think they were punishing Colin Kaepernick for bringing that side of it to what they hoped was just all football. And it was punitive. Was it collusive? Well, they settled. They probably felt the Kaepernick side felt like we didn't have a real case for collusion. In this case, again, if there's no text, emails, concerted effort, a chain showing that, it's going to be a hard sell. It's going to be a hard sell. But is this punitive? Well, it's punitive towards the owner, punitive towards the Haslam's. Like, I'm not going to let the Cleveland Browns dictate this to me. And basically yelling aberration and outlier because the Browns are stupid. Is that illegal? No. I mean, having done this in the league for 10 years, I would always say, you know, you hope not to be beholden to the worst contract negotiators in the league. You try. In this case, they're trying successfully to stay away from it. Lamar will be a test case, as will Burrow, as will Herbert next year. But again, this is something where the NFLPA is trying to get ahead of this with the collusion suit. Will they have evidence? Will they have more than just owners being pissed at the Haslam's? We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Final rant is about um, transfer portal. We go to college sports here. The college football season ended for a lot of teams, obviously not teams in bowl games and obviously not teams going to the, the college football championship, but even teams in bowl games. This is the time where players enter free agency and free agency in college sports is the transfer portal. It has become very much like free agency, and it's free agency without a salary cap, free agency without restrictions. As we know, with pro sports, you have to reach a certain number of years in the league to hit free agency. Your contract has to be up, and you have to have that. In college sports, you don't. You decide you don't want to be there. The twist with free agency in college sports, though, is it coincides now since July 2021 with NIL, name image likeness deals. So what is happening, and let's not be naive about this, is that players are going to their boosters and saying, well, first they're going to the the transfer portal and seeing what's out there. And they're not seeing what's out there in terms of playing time. That's part of it. And interest level, they're seeing what's out there in terms of money, right? It's money. So you go to the transfer portal and you hear that X college will bring you in. And when you're there, you'll make NIL money in the form of XYZ for this number. Pick a number, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000. And that's your deal. That's your offer. Whether it's subtle or not so subtle, or they they pair it with things you have to do because it's got to be a quid pro quo and you show up at these birthday parties and you show up at these 
autograph sessions and you show up at these car dealers, etc. But what's the number is what they want to know. What's the number? So the transfer portal with NIL has become what's the number? And I noted today that this receiver from Missouri, I think his name is Luther Burden, a top receiver, he announces that he's staying with a sponsor, some chip sponsor, with an NIL deal. But what he's really saying is that Missouri Boosters, the Missouri Collective, got it together. So he's not leaving. In other words, he went to the transfer portal. He thought about it. He got the number he wanted where he was. So he stays with Missouri. So this combination of the transfer portal and NIL has created this perfect storm for college football players who want a better deal financially. Now, of course, they want a better deal on the field, but that almost seems secondary. It's like like when I read this Luther Burden deal, he's staying at Missouri. Of course, he's staying at Missouri. They match the number. And look, they got an NIL deal in announcing he's staying. Like, this is where we are. Now, we can rail about it. We can long for the good old days, but the good old days aren't coming back because of people like me and my students. Lawyers, right? The, the Alston decision in the Supreme Court, the signaling by Justice Kavanaugh, the, the striking down of educational benefit limits. This is ripe for some serious change beyond what's already happened if it gets to litigation. And there are some litigations, some lawsuits swirling around out there that could bring further benefits to college athletes. It's where we are. I don't apologize for it. I consult with Villanova about it. We're developing our own collective. Of course, you have to in this day and age. You have to be competitive. So that's where we are. So this is the time for the transfer portal. We'll see more and more of it as we get towards the end of the year. And I think what what I leave this with is, yeah, it's where we are. The professionalization of college sports is there. Now, again, we haven't reached pay for play. This is all outside, quote unquote, outside. Boosters are, quote unquote, outside the school. But that's where we are. And by the way, Texas A&M, the highest uh, paid freshman class in history, ever heard reports anywhere from $5 million to $20 million of NIL money. They won a big game. Okay, so they beat LSU. The bonus babies, the NIL bonus babies have paid off. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business Sports. You can get my Sports Business League now, giving you a Cyber Monday special. Go to Andrew Brandt, Andrew Brandt slash SBL, Sports Business League, uh, and we'll put a link in the show notes. I'll give you daily videos. We have weekly meetings. We get together. We talk every day. So I hope you join that. Newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. Numbers are growing every week. I have my seven thoughts. And then, of course, Instagram, doing my reels there, Andrew Brandt, too. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a rating. We'd really appreciate it if you would. And thanks to my producer, Jack Connell, my musical producer, Sam Brandt. Thanks to you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you liked this as a unique, distinct podcast on the business of sports. Have a great week, everyone. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.